Oh, what's up, Gary? Cut you, man. Andrew Spivey here with back with Seth. Seth, man, we're back and uh, finally have a coaching staff to talk about. It's finished. Uh, Gators went out and hired uh, Jules Montier from uh, USF, and uh, he comes over to be the corners coach, and he'll join uh, Wesley McGriff as the safety coach. And you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. We'll talk about it here. Um, I guess first thoughts on this. Uh, new secondary, you know, not just Jules, but him and McGriff. Well, from what I know about uh, Jules and just being at uh, kind of covering USF last year, and then I kind of reached out to talk to people. People, uh, The people I talked to uh, say he gets, you know, his players really love him. Uh, he's really well-liked by recruits, and he was the recruiting coordinator uh, at USF. He's going to have to take it to another level coming to Florida, but the word, the book on him is that he's not. A, he's a pretty good recruiter. And I think that's kind of the book you got on McGriff too. He's he's a good recruiter, but he's also uh, he's been coaching for a long time. He's got a lot of experience, so kind of a good mix of experience and youth here. And both guys seem to be above average recruiters, which is what you were kind of hoping to bring in. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing for me is this: the book's still out on Jules. Um, yeah. Whether it's a good hire, or bad hire, or whatever it may be, I think it's a shocking hire in some sense. And in some sense, I think it's an okay hire. And, uh, you know, is his resume great? No, it's not. Um, you know, he has some stops at Alabama. He has a stop at Georgia. Um, and, you know, and he's a, a up-and-coming guy. The, the thing for me is this, and that is McGriff's the guy who has coached the entire secondary. So, in a way, you're almost saying Jules is going to come in and be the, you know, kind of assistant to McGriff. And that is fine if, if he's going to be an elite recruiter and going to be a really good recruiter. Uh, again, he was the recruiting coordinator at USF. Obviously, you know, the recruiting at USF is different in Florida. So if that is the the kind of the title per se that he's coming in is to be a recruiter and to grow under McGriff, then let's see how he does in recruiting. I, again, I, I think – and, and I've said this a couple of times, you know, people have asked me, well, you know, is, is the staff better today than it was last year? I, I don't know that we know the answer to that. I will say this. I think McGriff is better than both Gray and English. Um, I think Jules is an up-and-coming guy, so we'll see uh, where that goes. I do have much respect for McGriff's coaching ability. Yeah, he's. I mean, the guy's been doing it for a long time and at a really high level for a long time. So he obviously uh, knows what he's doing. He understands what it takes. Like you said, Jules is a young guy. Um, hasn't been doing it for long. But another interesting thing about him is he has been a special teams coordinator in the past. So you kind of get um, you kind of get a lot out of this one hire. You get a guy that's got some special teams coordinator uh, experience. You get a guy that's got a recruiting coordinator experience, coaching corners. Uh, like you said, he's been in Alabama and Georgia. And he, I think he actually had a little bit of an impact there, and I, and I can kind of, we can talk about that later. Um, but just talking about both guys, it seems like you got a good mix here, and we'll obviously see how it plays out next season. But uh, right now, you think you got a pretty good mix of youth and experience, and and both guys seem to be pretty high energy guys. Right. Well, and I think you have to take it a step further here. And okay, are they upgrades to the staff? I think we both agree that the two of them together are. Now, people have asked, well, is the defense going to be better? Well, it depends. Is Was the secondary the only reason this team was bad? I say no. Was you know was it just the players? 
Huh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, so I think you have to look at it in a couple of different ways and, and, and think about things, you know, when you ask, well, is the team going to be better and, and everything else. I don't know that you can just blame it on the secondary, um, and I don't know if you can just blame it on Grantham either. Maybe it was a little bit of both. So, you know, again, we can sit here and, you know, it's the off season, so as Steve Spurrier says, it's talking time. and uh, hmm. You know, we can talk about it and dissect it all we want, Proof is it's not going to be known until, you know, next year. Now, both of these guys can be an improvement in recruiting because Ron English was just downright terrible in recruiting. Uh, both of these guys can start to show that, you know, here as we go. And, you know, now they got to turn their attention to Terry and Arnold. And, you know, it's probably the one big target for Florida is, uh, you know, in the secondary safety. So they can turn that attention and kind of earn that, you know, those reps and those stripes a little bit, um, even though neither one of those guys had much of a relationship with Arnold, uh, you know, beforehand. Yeah, I think that's going to be a quick early test to kind of see where, where these guys are at. If you can kind of close that one, then you probably feel a lot better about it. But if you're if you're not able to close that one, then then you really start to second guess. I think the hires then. But yeah, like you said, it's it's going to be tough. I think everyone that watched the team last year would agree that the defensive backs underperformed as a unit. Um, so they changed the coaches. Well, now we're going to find out did they underperform because of position coaching. Or did they underperform because of kind of overall scheme? That's something we're going to find out this year. Uh, if it's still pretty bad, well, you change the position coaches, so then what's next? Right. Uh, so, I, I, like you said, we'll find that out on the field. But on the recruiting side, I think we can probably figure it out pretty early how these guys close. Yeah, I mean, and you know, again, you know, was the secondary the secondary was really bad i mean it, it just was i mean and you know you and i've talked about this you can put your guys in the position to win and position to make plays but at the end of the day they have to make plays um was that at times fundamental yeah sure the defensive backs for the majority of the year could not tackle was that a product of Torian gray was that a product of ron english i don't know we'll see i mean uh they i will say this these guys have their work cut out for them because especially Jules at the corner position, because you're not returning a lot. You're, you're going to rely on a lot of young guys. You're going to rely on some freshmen next year as well, some guys that are redshirt freshmen like Avery Helm, Jahari Rogers, you know, those guys. So their work's cut out for them, and you will, they will have an instant impact on how well the Gators do in the secondary next year. Yeah, USF had some – they had a couple um, – last year they had a couple guys returning that were fourth-year players – uh, but one of them just the last two years, he kind of had rough years and they ended up playing more young guys that hadn't played a ton. And those guys ended up playing pretty well. So we had some guys that were, uh, retro freshmen or some true freshmen come in and make plays in the defensive backfield. And so he's, he kind of got a little bit of taste of having to do that last year with USF. And, um, and you know, it's, it's hard to, so I think that's something that, he kind of has experience with, so he can kind of bring that to the table next year, but he's going to have to kind of hit the ground running uh, to get these guys turned around. Let me ask you this. What, you know, from your brief time of knowing him, mm -hmm. what, what do you, what do you consider his style of play for corners? Well, so last year at USF, you know, and I, this is what I, I can only go off last year because he's only there for one season. Right. And unfortunately with the, with the COVID and the pandemic stuff, you didn't get a lot of um, opportunities to talk to the assistants last year, right? Um, so I, I haven't got to, I haven't chance to hear him speak kind of in a press setting. But they wanted to play a ton of man coverage outside. Uh, their corners, especially at the beginning of the year, they kind of realized that maybe those guys weren't as good as they thought, 
at the beginning of the year, but initially they wanted to play like 95% man coverage on the outside. Those two corners before the season were talking about how they were going to play 99 or 99, 95% press coverage, man coverage. Uh, so I think he likes to be aggressive, but it's hard to say if that's him or if that was a scheme that they were running at USF. I know that they want to be aggressive, uh, but he had those guys up and I know, um, you see the clips of him. He had the guys in the in the boxing gloves and stuff like that, so they're not holding, but getting up in people's faces, staying in their hip pocket. Uh, so I think he wants to be aggressive, but we'll see if that kind of translates. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just kind of going through some of the some of the guys that you know he's had uh, that he's landed at at his time, you know, at either USF or Texas State or you know wherever it may be, and you know, it does kind of look like he has a mix. Um, at the corner position, he does kind of look like he he does like some tall, you know, um, built guys. But then it also kind of looks like he he does like some of the more athletic, you know, six foot guys or you know um, or five eleven guys. You know, those those guys that have got a little twitch in them and a little bit more speed. So it does kind of look like he, you know, and I and I say it looks like. Usually you could tell, you know, what a coach wants to run by the guys he, he recruits. And so it does look like he wants to play a lot of man, but but open to playing some zone as well. I mean, you know, we, we always talked about Torian Gray. He liked those tall, lanky corners because he wanted to be in-your-face kind of man. And, mm-hmm. um, so, it looked, you know, <clears throat> here's the thing for me with Jules, and that is uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what style he implements because him and McGriff both, and, and – this is this is not a secret. They have got to implement some toughness, some energy, and some true defensive back mentality out of these guys. And I say that, and, you know, we all hate and we always make fun of guys like Chauncey Gardner who talk trash. But at the end of the day, your corners better be able to talk some kind of smack and live yeah. up to it. If not, something's wrong. You know, your corners should always be the cockiest I don't want to say selfish, but cockiest, selfish, you know, bad mouth guys on the field. Because guess what? That's what their mentality is. They need to have that dog in them. Yeah, if you're gonna be out on that island, you got to be a little different. It's not. It's it, it's only you out there. So you got to have a little self assurance. You got to be a little uh, a little cocky to be one on one out there consistently. So. Yeah, you, you want you want that. You want that high energy. And I think that's one thing Jules is going to bring. He's a pretty high energy guy, uh, loves the game of football. Um, I think he's got a kid named Madden. Yeah. And 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 uh, I know last year when they were introducing the new coaches, they asked him what his favorite television show was. He said film. So this dude's all he's all football all the time. So I think he's going to bring a lot of energy and a lot of positivity and um so if it's energy they need, I think he's going to bring it. Yeah. Well, and, and you and you put him with McGriff, and you, you get a lot of guys who, who are going to do that. And, and I think that's, you know, that's a key. And English was old school, you know, kind of grandfathery type of, of coach. And it's just that, that didn't work with these guys. And so, you know, you, you see the boxing gloves and that kind of stuff. And, hey, let's go for it. Let's, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can bring to the table. And, and let's, you know, see if they can get that mentality back with that, you know, that toughness, that swagger back that, you know, has been missing the last, you know, few years for this team. And, you know, see if that helps. I mean, you know, you had to go somewhere. Um, you know, was, you know, was Jules the, the first guy on the list? No, he wasn't. But, you know, I always use this conversation. I'll ask you this, Seth, and that is, you know, there is there's two sides to, to coaching searches. And that is, do you go with the retrend 
And when I say a retrend, a guy who's been fired, bounced around forever and ever and ever. Or do you go with a young, up-and-coming guy who the sky's the limit, but there's unknowns? You know, we I, I talk about this all the time in the NFL. When you look at the NFL every single solitary year, 90% of the coaching hires are retrends. None of them yeah. want to step out on the box. You know, for instance, the Los Angeles Rams were one of the few when they went out and hired uh, – um, oh, heck, what's his name? McVeigh. McVeigh, Sean McVeigh. Now I can't think of his name. McVeigh. They went out and hired that instead of, you know, doing a retrend. You know, I mean, who cares? You know, why do you want to go out and hire somebody? You know, you see Jason Garrett's name going around. Why do you want to hire Jason Garrett? We all seen him fail miserably with the Cowboys. What would you do that for, you know? So I think it's always a two-sided conversation, and I think that that's – if you want to win the press conference, you go with a retrend probably because it's somebody they already know. But if you want to win on the field, why not try a young up-and-coming guy? Yeah, especially for younger guys. I don't think like the level you've coached at before necessarily uh, dictates what type of coach you are. You look at the guy the Chargers just hired. Yeah. I think five or six years ago, he was coaching Division Three football. He was right. a defensive coordinator for a Division Three football team. Yeah. So I mean, if you know, if Mullen brought him on, everyone would say, "Oh my God, we're hiring a Division Three football coach." Right. Well, yeah. now this guy's the head coach of the San Diego Chargers five years later. So that doesn't always dictate kind of w- what type of coach you are. I've heard Bill Belichick and Mike Leach, I think, both say the best football coach in America is probably a high school football coach because right. they've got to solve so many more problems. Uh-huh. So. I, I well, look think, at Gus Malzahn. I mean, yeah, he went from high school to offensive coordinator and then rose way up, and now he's a millionaire, not having to coach. So. That's right. That's right. Smarter than I, all one, of us. One, one th- yeah, one thing um, that uh, I remembered from my time when he got hired at USF, so I went back and looked back at some stuff. Um, one tweet that went out stuck in my mind, and I went back and found it. So this is from um, – Ha ha Clinton Dick. So I think we can both agree as a pretty good player in college. Yeah. Um, uh, he tweeted out when he get when um, Jules got hired at USF. He said, I used to sit in Coach Jules' office after practice just so he could help me see the game from the big perspective and be a student of the game. Forever grateful to you. USF got a gift. So there's a guy that was, a, I believe he was a first-round NFL draft pick. Yes. Really yeah. good player at Alabama. Still in the league. <laughs> yeah, and and this was when Jules was a GA, so he didn't he wasn't just kind of in the background. He was doing stuff, so he was coaching while he was there. Right, and so that kind of coupled with him being, you know, he being a GA for Kirby, and then Her- Kirby bringing him back on to his staff at Georgia. I think that speaks well of him because Kirby had, obviously had to like him, and think he could do a good job to bring him on, and he's seen him coach before he hired him. So I think that speaks well. And then the fact that he was named recruiting coordinator for Jeff Scott, who's who's been, you know, probably one of the, I think he was named like a top 25 recruiter seven different times, yeah. top 10 recruiter a few times, ACC recruited the year two or three times. So that guy knows how to recruit and he knows how to recruit Florida. And he brought Jules in to be his recruiting coordinator. So I think those two kind of, if you're looking for a reason to feel pretty good about the hire, those two I think would be reasons that I, that you would reassure you a little bit, even though he doesn't have a really extensive track record. Yeah, and I mean that you know that's what we're you know that's what we're here for to, to discuss both sides of the table and like I said do, do I understand the frustration that some people have when you know when the names of Tavares Robinson was out there when Chris Ash's name was out there you know when um, who else's name was out there the uh, Maurice Lundquist from that went to Michigan when all those names were out there you know you know did you expect to get a huge name sure you did it you know all those guys have done a great job 
and they've done a fabulous job, you know. And you know, you can't can't fault yourself with uh, Lundquist. I mean, he went to be a co-defense coordinator, and you know, Chris Ash was the uh, you know a guy who went to be in the NFL and not have to recruit. You know, ask any of us football coaches. Hey, I, there's nothing I'd rather do than just go sit down and watch film all day than I have to recruit. Uh, many of people are telling me that. I mean, it's a free agency, then you can't and you and you can't pay them. I mean, that's what college football is right now. So, uh, you know, again, that, that so was there was there frustration and understandably frustration? Sure, and and I get every bit of it. And, I, and I'll be the first to admit when I heard the hire, I was like, what? And then I, you know, started to research a little bit more, and I was like, okay, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. And and, and that's my point of this is with the whole you know new guy coming up i mean hey it may work out in a couple of years where you know this is one of the hottest names in the country and it is then again it may work out where it's not you know but that's yeah. kind of where you're at and i think florida has the freedom with a guy like mcgriff to go out and, and make a hire like this to kind of test the waters because you know mcgriff can coach the entire secondary uh, you know a guy like jules is willing to come in and listen to somebody uh because he's done it in the past and yeah. you know and he's a young guy so I, that's why i think that it's not a bad hire um uh, i think he does need to come in and, and be a good recruiter uh to kind of show his worth a little bit yeah I th- like just like you said i think mcgriff He's a guy that raises your floor, right? It raises kind of your floor, and then so then you could take a swing on maybe raising your ceiling with a guy like Jules, right? Um, especially in that, on the recruiting side. If you think he's if you think he's a good recruiter and he can really come in and, and add there, well then he he can come in and raise your ceiling at the position. But McGriff is so steady and has done so much, he raises the floor kind of. So you're not losing too much. You can take that home run swing. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's a good point. It's a good way to put it there. I hadn't even hadn't even thought about it in that way. But yeah, it's absolutely there. You know, at the end of the day, you're only as good as the players you recruit. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just what it is. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can all be the best person, best player. I mean, best coaches in the world. But guess what? If you ain't got the players, you ain't winning. Period. I mean, just not. No. You know, I mean, you look at Belichick. Belichick's one of the best football coaches, you know, ever. You didn't have nobody to play this year. They were terrible. Well, so I don't know. I don't know. We can go on and on about it. And, you know, again, only the only the the year will will discuss things. And, you know, I I said this before. And, you know, that is it's it's make or break year for uh, for Todd Grantham. And, you know, guess what? If Florida's defense is still bad next year, he'll have the Mullen have no choice. They'll have to be. No. Um, now, again, college coaches do not get to where they are by being bad football coaches. Is Todd Grantham a bad football coach? No. He just – his plan didn't work last year. Yeah. And I, I've had I've, – I've reached out to people that – other coaches I respect that are on that side of the ball, and some of them think he's good, and then you got other guys that go, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's just going to work. So even, even in coaching, it's kind of split. A lot of people think he's got pretty good plans and he's had good success in the past. For some reason, it's not working. Other people I've talked to are just like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work there for him. Right. Um, but yeah, this is it. He'll, this is kind of, it's a make or break year for him. And, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say, you know, you know, this year you feel like you might be down a little bit. Would you rather find out, what you got for sure in this year. And then you can go clean when your team's kind of coming back up the next year. Um, if you feel like, you know, you're going to Florida's, if they feel like they're going to take a dip a little bit next year and then come back up the following year, well, maybe this is the year to find out what you got. And if you don't, you can start fresh. Um, that's not the greatest process, but 
if you you know if you think all right well it's just the defensive backs well now here here you go two new yeah. coaches yeah well, exactly see, see what happens does it change yeah well i mean you know it's like you say i mean it depends on who you talk to you know i'm I'm very close to Jawan taylor who who played you know safety for for grantham and you know he says that the defense isn't complicated well then you go to somebody else and they say it's very complicated so you know it's it's one of those things where depending on who you ask and again you know you're you're your plan is only as good only works if your players understand it. So yeah. maybe it is a little complicated for some guys. You know, Juwan Taylor is a very very smart guy. So maybe you know maybe it wasn't too bad for him because of you know his uh, ability to learn it. But so it, it it just goes both ways. And I, I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer for it. Um, I will say this that at times Todd Grantham leaves a little bit to be desired um, there. And you know at times I just want to go out there and say. Do you understand the situation? Uh, but again, I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. He'll make yeah. he makes more money than I'll probably ever make in my life doing what I do. So, yeah, I yeah, that's the one thing I you learn, especially as a younger coach, that older coaches tell you, and it's it's, it's not what you know; it's what your players can execute. Uh-huh. So it doesn't matter how much you know; you got to get you got to do things that your players can do. Right. And, uh, you know, at the college level, if they can't do them, you go out and recruit ones that can. Right. So that's going to, you know, that's, it's going to have, something's going to have to change. He's, the players are going to have to either be able to execute or he's going to have to kind of say, okay, this is what my guys can execute. I need to call this. Maybe I need to pull back. You know, I can't show off how much I know because, it, you know, if, if this is an unbelievable blitz I got called, but if it never gets home and now you're leaving somebody, exposing the back end well that doesn't help you out at all so yeah it's not it's not what you know it's what your guys can do so hopefully there's some changes made and the guys can do it this next year and it's the reason why a lot of NFL coaches do not work in college because the terminology and you know in the NFL is so long I mean you know it's not just hey trips right you know corner you know, it's, yeah. it's not something so easy, uh, you know, that it's trips, right? 72, 56, you know, yada, 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 yeah. you know, it's got 7,000 different numbers on it. And, and then you got checks on everything else. I mean, that's, just, you know, that's kind of where it is, but uh, let's, uh, let's go look at a couple things though. So uh, obviously Florida picked up a kicker and Jace Christensen from, uh, from Mississippi state, uh, you know, I, the the jury's still out on that, you know. Didn't play a much, lost his job. Not not a long distance uh, kicker per se, but you know, I think the thing for Florida was this, and that is, you can't go into any season with just one kicker on your roster or, or one punter on your roster. So, uh, you know, I, I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't a great pickup, yada yada yada. Well, you have to go into next year. I mean, Chris Howard's been on the roster now for you know three year, four years now, so it's time for him to kind of show what he can do but you need backup in case he don't and a, you know a guy who's going to walk on in jace not a not a bad pickup no you can never have too many uh guys that have kicked even if he lost the job he's kicked at this level before right, right. so it's you, you can never have too many of those guys on the roster so yeah it, if, if he ends up being the backup kicker maybe you have one of the best backups in the country uh but if he ends up if you end up needing somebody well then here's a guy that's done it before uh, I think, especially if he's walking on, you take that every time. Yeah. I mean, listen, kickers are head coaches. That's why they call them kickers. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, we used to make fun of them. Say, go, go, go kick a ball somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go to the other field. Yeah, go to the other field, please. Please just go around. And then you look over there, they'll be kicking a soccer ball, and you're like, jeez, stupid yeah. kickers. Sorry, kickers that are listening. But, yeah. Definitely weird guys. Sorry. No no offense to you, but <laughs> uh they and then they picked up the two defensive tackles and uh uh Newkirk from Auburn and uh uh, uh Antonio Shelton from Penn State. You know, I think that fills a, a gap. Uh and we talked about this a little bit last time after they had picked up Shelton, but uh you know, it fills that gap a little bit and you you have, you know, more guys uh uh to um to just Come in and provide depth, and I think that's the biggest thing you need is some depth. You cannot go into next year, and I, and we said this a lot. You can't go into next year having um, uh, Zach Carter having to play inside. You, you just can't. It, it, it's not. It's not. It doesn't do Zach any good. It doesn't do your team any good. And it's not to say Zach didn't play it well. I thought he played it well, but he's just undersized for that position. Um, and so again, is either of these guys going to set the world on fire? No. Are any of these guys going to be all SEC next year? Probably not. I mean, it could, but probably not. So it's depth, and you know, in this free agency world, and I'm calling it free agency because that's what it is. It's all about adding depth and getting guys. You should be able to develop your your key dudes. Yeah, you, you just brought in two power five grown men yeah. at, at defensive tackle. That's never a bad thing. Like the and these guys have played. They're not just like career backups. These guys have both played at the level. Uh, I've heard some good things about the Auburn kid. I, I've heard he's. Uh, his performance was not like you couldn't tell from his stats how good he is, that he's been one of their better guys in, on the interior. So that's good. And then Shelton was like a third team all Big Ten. So he's not a slouch either. So anytime you can get these guys, you know, it, you'd rather have grown men coming in here, especially on the interior D line, than bringing in 18 year olds. There's not very many 18, 19 year old kids that are going to come and make an impact right away in that position. So if you can go out some grown men that have played before, yeah, that's a win. All four, yeah. And, I mean, and, and here's the thing. Like I said, do you need either of those guys to come in and be all SEC guys? No. No, you don't. You just need those guys to come in and provide depth for, for Gervin Dexter, for Jalen Lee, and, you yeah. know, all, all those guys. You just need them to come in and play and, and be ready to go and be ready to, you know, just give you some impact. And here's the thing, too. Those guys have a ton of knowledge. They may not be the best in the world, but they could teach Dexter. They can teach Jalen Lee. You know, maybe it's a, a simple, you know, reading of the of the center's eyes or a or a guard's eyes that they could pick up on it and help those guys. And so uh, again, you know, are they all you know huge pickups? Are they going to you know make or break the season for Florida? No, they're not. But they're definitely going to be impact guys. And you know, that's what you're hoping for is to get some guys that can come in and play and, and be ready to go. And and here's the thing too, and that is you know. Wesley McGriff was apparently jumping up on the table for for Newkirk. He's a, he's at a new job trying to impress Dan Mullen. He's not yeah. doing that if he don't think the guy can play. No, when you go to a new job, you can leave your problems behind. But yeah. uh, so if he wants to bring him with, that speaks. I think that speaks well of him. Right. And that's what I've seen some people say that he's pretty talented. He just it what his numbers didn't show how talented he was. So, you know, but. I, you know, you say it's not make or break, but if you, I think if you didn't get some bodies there, you were going to be in for some trouble. So yeah. getting any bodies there is good, but these guys seem like they can play a little bit. So getting 
guys that can play is even better. Yeah, well, and I, and I think uh, I think you know the the big thing is 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 just going into the year not feeling stressed about what happens if somebody goes down, and, yeah. and I think that's a big thing as well. You know, some of the things I heard about Newkirk was from from Auburn was injuries. You know, he's he's battled injuries most of his career, and and we all know. I mean, we, we know that from from uh, Slayton and Campbell and those guys that you know that they, they had better years than than a lot of things did, but because of injuries and different. Things like that, that the stats never truly showed that, and so and here's the thing too, and I and I say this all the time, for defensive tackles, throw the stats out the window. They don't yeah. they don't mean nothing, and I don't care what anybody tells you, they don't mean nothing because at the end of the day, if a defensive tackle is disrupting a play and, and your linebacker has a ton of tackles, it's probably because your defensive tackle had a good game. If you're, you know, if your safeties don't have many tackles, it's probably because your defense tackles had a good game. If your safeties had a big game, probably not because your, your probably your defense tackles had a bad game. And, and that's just kind of how I go about it. Yeah, there's a lot of unsung names on the defensive line that made a lot of middle linebackers a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if they can, right, sometimes your job as a defense tackle, you know, it depends on the scheme. But some schemes, it's to penetrate and make plays. Sometimes – you're just holding up blockers or let linebackers run free. Yeah. So you, you, your stats may not look great, but you're doing your job. And, uh, you know, there, there's guys like, you know, like a Derek Brown a couple years ago that just he's going to get in and make plays, make tackles. But then there's also guys on that line that are just, I'm going to hold up two blocks, and now my middle linebacker can run free because nobody's getting up on him. And that's really important too. Yeah. Well, here, I'll ask you this. And you may know this, but I would say if the the ninety percent of our listeners could not do this, name me ten defensive tackles in the NFL. You, you know yeah, what I'm, I'm saying? Not, it would take me a minute to think about it. Yeah, it's not, but I yeah I can name Russians off the top of my head, but tackles you got to think about. Right. And and you think about some of these guys, like you look at a guy like you know like um like a Ted Washington was a guy back in the day that was right. just he was just a big dude. He didn't make a ton of like you look at his sack numbers are like. Oh, you know, these are all right. Will Fork was probably a similar guy. Yeah. So you look at his sack numbers, you're like, all right, that's, you know, he's a pretty good player. But then you hear how coaches talk about how Belichick talks about him. It's because he could hold up two blocks at a time. <laughs> and if, and if, so if you try to double, he's just going to hold those guys up and let the linebackers run free. If you singled up on him, now he can go make plays. But those guys are really important. Right. Um, and they, they'll help your other defensive linemen too, because if you know if I'm a big enough dude that you have to double team me, or you can't, or you know you can't like go double team somebody else because you have to pay me some attention. Well, now maybe my other guys get one on one matchups. So right. it, yeah, it's defensive line. That's some of the it's the dirty work in there. Well, and it's uh, the difference between the your linebackers, you know, uh, uh, offensive linemen getting to your linebacker yeah. or your offensive linemen staying put and going after, you know, just you. And so, yeah. again, you know, we could go on and on about it. And, um, I, you know, again, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he, he didn't have great see They didn't have great years. Yada, yada, yada. True. I, I get that. And, and, and you're right for saying that. But I also will say that. If you like you said, if you don't get these guys, what is your you know what's your situation looking like next year? Now, my counter argument to that is this: recruit better. If you recruit better, you're not in this situation. 
that's a topic for another day, and we won't go into all that, but that's just what it is. I mean, and, but Florida has put themselves in this situation to have to go to this, and for right now, they're doing a, a good job of going there and, and doing a good job of going to the portal and landing these guys. Um, and like I said, as long as you do not recruit the position, well, you're kind of stuck in that position. Yeah, rec- recruiting is a sunk cost. It's already spent. You you missed your shot there, so you gotta you gotta figure out a way to make it right. So this is one way you can kind of supplement it. And now you gotta keep fi- you gotta figure it out, so you don't have to keep doing this. But in the short term, if you have to supplement a position one year with transfers, then you gotta go do that. But because uh, because the money's already spent there, so to say, in recruiting, it's gone. Yeah, uh, you you missed your shot. Yeah, um, you missed your shot. And some and some places the money's literally spent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, McDonald's bags. <laughs> there you go. Oh Lord, what did you think of that when you heard that story? <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I wasn't. I was going to say I was shocked. I wasn't really shocked, but you know, it seems. Uh, you know, at least go you know, for like a Chick Fil A bag or something. I mean, my my thing is this, and you know, listen, it it happens. Like you know, I know, you know, I know everyone's joking. Tennessee's not the only one that does that, but no. uh, it was just. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this without selling anybody out, and, I, and so I'm trying to trying to carefully manipulate my words here. But you can't be dirty when you do it. Everybody does it. But don't be dirty when you do it, and that was dirty. There was too many people who knew about that plan. When you start putting it in McDonald's plans, you know, you know, McDonald's had to know about it. You know, this person had to know about it, and this person had to know about. It. Guess what? You can't trust everybody. You 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 have to have a select group of people that you can trust that you're giving money to to give to these kids. And I think that's where Pruitt's you know didn't learn from his predecessors and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart that you have to be careful. Yeah, you gotta keep that stuff clean. You can't just uh, you gotta you gotta launder that money a little bit better, you know. Yeah, I mean, you gotta make sure you you're getting people to do it that you know are gonna die for you that wouldn't say a word. And jeez, man, I mean Kirby, come on. I mean, uh, at least they, at least they didn't pay in a check like Oregon did. Those guys are just uh, oh, Lord, yeah. those are amateurs out west. Or at least they're, uh, at least they're paying in cash. Or they didn't uh, get the uh, the the you know Odell Beckham to come out there and hand them cash on national TV. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, At least we're working with cash. Yeah, uh-huh. they are. So, and, I mean, it was. You know, they were getting Happy Meals, all right. And I wish, wish I could get some Happy Meals. My kid gets it all the time. But I ain't never seen no money in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, Seth. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? And uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll be back, and you know, we'll we'll continue to kind of talk some recruiting here as uh, get closer to National Signing Day. Even though it's not going to be a big day, probably just one guy for Florida. Um, but you know, overall, you know, it's been good. It's been successful, and you know, they got a lot of those guys that are in already working out with uh, Savage, and you know, those guys and getting ready for spring ball. I mean, yeah, spring ball, and that'll be starting up here sometime in February. Uh, I'm supposed to be announcing that schedule here soon to when that is. And, um, you know, the one thing I'm kind of watching for is uh, apparently there's at least some talk that the uh, the dead period is going to be extended through June. So, Whoa. It's not fun. That'll be interesting. Yeah, my only, th- my only thing would be, you know, let's not fire everybody before spring practice starts. Let's, look, let's wait and see how that goes first before we fire all the new coaches and some of the old coaches. And um, I think that'll be uh, a big thing that they missed last year is having that spring practice. So let's see how see how they look there and see how that goes before we start firing people. What kind of fun is that, Seth? <laughs> it's not fun. We want to have well, I mean, firing well, well, everybody. 
Uh, we can hand out we can hand out uh, pink slips or whatever after the uh, after the spring game. Well, let's just wait at least till the games. Over. All right. So if you know John Doe, the walk on doesn't look good, I can fire Jules. Right. <laughs> there you go. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm he's got to have him all ready to play. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. And, and listen, I, I mean, you know, I've been accused of being tough on things, and you know, I'm, you know, my only argument is this, and and that is, you know, things have to improve. And you know, I mean, that's just that's the that's the nature with 119 programs out of the 120 in Division One football. Every year they have something to improve. If you don't win the national championship, you have something to improve. And you know, I mean, that's just sometimes hard criticism is the best criticism, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I think I think one thing to remember is there's nobody. Uh, I would think you know I, I don't know the guy personally, but I would imagine there's nobody that wants success for this team more than Dan Mullen because his job literally depends on it. None of our jobs depend on whether or not he does a good job, really. Right. So if he if these are the guys he's bringing in, this is he's making his bed. So right. if this is what he thinks is best, well, then he's got to live with the consequences. But he's doing what he thinks is best to right. to win because this guy's trying to win. So um, you know, I I, I think the kind of the die is cast. We'll see how how it works out for him, but. You know, he's not he's not trying to sandbag or anything. He's trying to win. So. Yeah. Well, and like I said, you know, earlier, not to get back into the whole thing, you know, do I understand some people being upset about the hire? Sure. I, 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 do. I was shocked when you sent me the name. I was like, why are you? I was I saw the name. I was like, why are you asking me about this guy? Yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So, you know, I, I understand it. I mean, there there's reason to be frustrated. But I think when you start to peel back every layer of things, you know, you, you look at some things and you say, okay, you know, maybe maybe that is right. You know, maybe maybe that ain't too bad. You know, and uh, I will say this, and that is just because he comes from USF, just because he comes from Texas State or whatever, does not mean how good a football coach he is. I mean, just, yeah. you know, in the football world of things, it's who you know to get that first job. And, you know, and uh, – there's a lot of people who don't. I mean, they just they don't. They don't start at the top, and um, you know, a lot of times you're better because you don't start at the top and have to understand, you know, how to recruit at Texas State, how to recruit at USF. If you can recruit at those places, you can recruit anywhere in the world because ain't nobody signing up to go play at Texas State. Yeah, I think I saw somebody on the on our board say this. I thought it was a really good point that it doesn't necessarily recruiting those types of players doesn't translate. But the re- relationships with the high school coaches translates, whether the guy's got a five-star or a two-star. Yes. He's the same head coach. And this is a guy that's been recruiting Florida primarily for his whole career. And he's t- I know when he was at USF, he talked about, if you're from Florida, you need to stay and play in Florida. That was like one of his big pitches. Like, why would you go anywhere else? So he wants to lock down Florida. So I, I think that – and he's got a bunch of relationships here. So I think that is something that is another thing in his favor. He's got those relationships – Hopefully you can hit the ground running. Yeah, you're exactly right. Those coaches don't change, and guess what? I mean, you know, those coaches are are want to help the the five stars just as much as they want to help the two stars and the one mm-hmm. stars and, and and everything else. So if you're able to, if he was able to go in there and recruit some of those guys, guess what? That coach is going to be a little bit more helpful to you when you go in and recruit the big star uh, for the for that yeah. school. So um, again, but well, Seth, man, I appreciate it, buddy, and we'll get out of here. We'll be back next week. We'll we'll break down whatever's going on because guess what it'll never be boring around in Gatorland you can can bet your apples on that it never seems to stop never a dull moment man never a dull moment so Seth we appreciate it man and we will talk to you next week